Well, hey everyone, and welcome to episode number seven of our weekday series, Your Questions, God's Questions. And in this series, we're going to be taking a look at your questions right here. Uh, we start this on Facebook Live, and we keep it on our page, and we put it on our website and on the Podbean and Apple Podcast platforms, so you can forward this to other people. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Joe Friedland. I'm the pastor of City Point Church here in Brossard, Quebec. And of course, our church is not meeting in our usual spot, the movie theater, but uh, we are meeting online. So uh, we'll see what happens in the days ahead. There's been an announcement this week, but um, we're taking things very slowly and very carefully and cautiously. Uh, so thank you so much for tuning in, and um, tonight we are going to tackle another one of your questions, and when we're done with all of your questions, we're going to look at the questions that God asks people in the Bible, and he asks a lot. Uh, in fact, while we say that it's uh, impolite to answer a question with a question, Jesus, most of the time when he was asked a question, he responded with a question. <laughs> so, And his question took it to a whole di different level, usually. So uh, we're going to start by looking at your questions, and this is a really good one tonight. They're all good. Uh, and the question is, is Christianity a myth? Or how do we know that Christianity is not a myth? And this is an excellent question. It's very relevant because... In particular, in areas of higher education, uh, this is the argument that's used, uh, and it's used in, in a couple of different ways. And so when a person asks this question, they probably mean one of two things. Number one, is Christianity meant to be interpreted? Is the Bible itself meant to be interpreted? Is the story of Jesus meant to be interpreted? as a myth. In other words, the writers did not intend for this to be taken seriously as if Jesus was an actual person in actual history who actually did miracles, lived the life that he lived, died on the cross, and rose from the dead. Uh, did the writers intend this to be interpreted as mythology or as something that actually happened? That's one way of asking the question. The other way of asking the question is, is Christianity the same thing as the various uh, pagan mythologies in the ancient world? Zeus, Osiris, Mithras, um, Dionysius, uh, all of these different uh, mythologies have stories of gods that were somehow became incarnate. Some of them even have uh, uh, gods dying for them and rising for from the dead uh, for them. And so what if Christianity is just a copycat um, of those religions cloaked in its own language? Um, so those are the two things that can be meant by, is Christianity uh, a myth? How do we know it isn't a myth? Well, the first way of asking the question um, has to do with how we interpret what we're reading. And it's very clear. If you read 
Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and the book of Acts and all of the epistles of the New Testament and even the Apocalypse, the book of Revelation. Um, If you read these things from cover to cover, it's certainly clear when you read the Gospels uh, that the writer's intention is to put this off into the minds of of their readers that Jesus was a real figure, a real person who really did live, who really said the things that he said, did the things that he did, died on a cross, and rose from the dead historically. The writers of the gospel narratives are attempting to put this off as real history, and they want their readers to interpret it that way. Um, the, the type of literature that we see in the gospel, this is a historical narrative. That's what we call it. And in historical narrative, it's obvious that that's what it is. The writer is trying to pass this off as something that really happened. Whether it did or it didn't isn't the question. It's what was their view. Their view was that it actually did happen, and they're trying to put this off as real history. You read the book of Acts. It's historical narrative. You read the the uh, epistles, the letters of Paul, the letters of Peter, the letters of John, the letter of Jude, the epistle to the Hebrews. Um, all of these things are, are dealing with real people. There's a real audience. They're set in real history. Um, and it's clear that the authors are writing about specific things related to the Christian faith. They're teaching doctrine. But it's all centered around the concept that, that this is not mythology. So it's very clear that the way that we read the New Testament is, is, is as a historical uh, document. Even the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse, uh, this is a different brand of literature, of course. This is apocalyptic literature and it has to be read in a certain way in order to be properly uh, understood and interpreted. But uh, there are, there are, uh, there's a real man who's writing. It's addressed to real churches, to seven different churches that were real in the first century. And the message is a message of apocalypse or unveiling uh, what is really taking place behind the scenes of human history. So, uh, I mean, even the parables of Jesus, these are not meant to be interpreted literally in the sense of a historical narrative. They're stories. Jesus is trying to illustrate a point by telling a story. But the history is that Jesus, at a certain place and a certain time, told this story. So this is how we're meant to interpret, and it's clear if we actually read the New Testament. So sometimes this question is asked by folks who haven't read it in academia and in you know college and university. They'll, they'll throw this question out in a classroom, but they haven't really read the New Testament, some of the people who are asking. All right, uh, and now we've already established, we talked about this yesterday, the writings of the New Testament were there was an avalanche of of copies of the New Testament very very early and an avalanche of preaching from the early church we can say definitively that it is a fact that the New Testament was being copied and transmitted within the lifetime of the contemporaries of Christ so people who wanted to debunk the story and say this is all rubbish these people are all lying uh, they had ample opportunity to do so 
and the record shows nil, zero. Nobody says that. And that's because that wasn't the problem. The problem is how were they going to stop this movement, uh, which was gaining so much traction um, across the Roman Empire, but it wasn't by trying to debunk it. They couldn't deny what was going on. How were they going to squash it was, was their problem, and that's why there's so much persecution, especially in the first century into the second century, all the way up till the time that Constantine legalizes Christianity. You have a straight record of persecution there. These people dying for this story, which they believed was quite, quite real. And so uh, we have no we have no time for error to creep into the text. Uh, that's the point. So um, it's not certainly not meant to be interpreted mythologically. Number two, is it a copy of ancient pagan mythologies? And this is a very popular view. Um, it's in the classrooms. It's in Dan Dan Brown's novel, uh, The Da Vinci Code. It's a popular theory from I think the nineteenth century. Uh, into the 20th century, and uh, this is the idea again that you know Osiris, Dionysius, Zeus, and all these myths uh, that Christianity, the authors just airlifted those and and created the person of Jesus, or perhaps Jesus was real, but they they deified him and they made him do miracles and so on, but they just copied from other religious views of the day. Um, is that true? Well, when we make a, a charge like that, what we're doing is we're, we're um, implicitly attacking the integrity of the authors of the New Testament. Because when we read the New Testament, we have definitive statements from the authors that they are not doing exactly what the person says they're doing when they ask the question. So, for example, uh, Peter, and we're, we're in a series on the two letters that Peter wrote that we have preserved for us in the New Testament. And Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, speaking of his soon, uh, his impending death, because I know that I will soon put it aside as the Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. This is a, a Paul used the reference of the body as like a tent. He was a tent maker by trade. Peter uses this reference of the body as a tent as well. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, if we say that these writers, Peter, for example, and Paul makes a very similar statement, and Luke makes a similar statement. If we say that these writers have airlifted this story uh, and copied it from Dionysius and Osiris and 
all these other pagan religions and mythologies uh, in the ancient world across the Greco-Roman Empire and so on. If we say that, then what we're really saying is that they deliberately intended to deceive their audience. That's going after the integrity of, of, the, uh, of the authors. Now, when we do that, we run into a major problem because all of the authors of the New Testament were persecuted for their faith and, were, and died for their faith. So that means that they died for what they intentionally uh, uh, plagiarized. And so <laughs> that presents a major problem uh, because we simply have no evidence that anyone does that successfully. So when people know that they're acting dis- deceptively, they do not, one after the other after the other, fa- 